Fantastic. Well, it is good to be in the house of God, isn't it? When you, when you experience the presence of God tangibly like we did this morning, it just, why would you want to be anywhere else? It's just awesome. And so I want to begin by reading <clears throat> Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And I can't see. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I guess I want to, I want to preclude my message today by saying, if you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us for a purpose. If you don't have a purpose, there's no point for the Spirit of God to be upon you. Now that might sound a little bit harsh, but Acts 1.8 tells us that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us to be witnesses. If we're not witnessing to the glory of God, do we really need the Spirit of God? Good question, isn't it? The title of my message this morning is Committed and Engaged. Turn to John 6, verses 60 to 69. I think... <clears throat> I was, I was thinking about just the journey. As I was saying, I was, I was thinking about this morning. The journey that we have been on has just been absolutely incredible. Edith and I came to the Gold Coast in 1992 with the express purpose to be uh, an assistant to plant a church. That church was called Set Free. We served in that church for a long time until, was it last year? Last year we replanted because we merged two churches together, Crossing Point and Set Free. And then... The, the, the journey continues, you know. And then in July, June, we passed on the baton, August, we passed on the baton of the senior role of leading this church to a young couple, Ben and Jess. That was actually one of the most exciting days of my ministry, of, of what I've been involved in. And I want to say today that I am more committed than ever to see this body of believers flourish under Ben and Jess's leadership. And I want to, I want to say this morning, I love these, this young couple 
they carry something which is just exceptional in the kingdom of God. The focus that they have for the reformation of the body of Christ according to New Testament principles is just amazing. And I have determined that I will support them and that I am going to be committed and engaged in whatever capacity I need to be to see them flourish and to see the kingdom of God advance in this city. This morning, I actually want to invite you to the same commitment and engagement. And so I'm actually talking this morning on commitment and engagement. And so in John 6, we see an extraordinary um, scenario take place between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had just finished talking about to the disciples about eating his body and drinking his blood. Now, for, 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 for many of us, that could just be really offensive. And then Jesus says this, or the disciples said this in verse 60. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus was actually imparting something to his disciples at that time. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus then turned to the twelve and said to them, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The twelve, at that point, had made a decision that they were going to be committed and engaged to Jesus. I think they made the best decision possible. Because the fruit is in the pudding. They actually went on to turn the known world in that time upside down. Why did they turn the known world then upside down? I'll tell you why. They had a cause. And they knew their cause. And I want to say to you today that you need a cause. 
If you don't have a cause, you will just wander aimlessly. Okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. People need to be motivated by a cause. The cause has to be the driving force behind the motivation. What drives you? You know, these are really good questions to ask ourselves. What causes you to get out of bed in the morning? If it's just your job, that's a really sad thing. Your job should be a means to an end. Your job is, is something that contributes to a greater cause. What provokes you? What moves you? And to answer these questions, it has to actually be answered from a pure place. A pure place of where you get before God or you, you reevaluate the purpose and direction of your life and you look at it from the perspective of eternity. Because the 70 short years or whatever, however long we live on this planet is such a short time in the light of eternity. So you ask those questions from the place of eternity because that's, that's where we're going to live. And we want to build in this life towards eternal life. It actually has to be born from something that is worth crying for. Something worth being lonely for. Something worth being misunderstood for. And perhaps even something that you would die for. If you're going to impact your world, there has to be a cause. You can't be your own cause. Your cause has to be bigger than you. You know, I, I experience this all the time at Set Free Care. I, I, I love Set Free Care because The, 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 the cause that I have identified for my life, the reason why I get out of bed every day is because I have a desire to bring freedom to people. I want to see people come into a place of freedom in, in their life so that they're no longer oppressed by drugs, by addictions, by abuse, by pain. And I've discovered that when your cause is bigger than you, people can get be behind it. We, we actually have a, a wonderful group of volunteers at Set Free Care that just inspire me 
Every, every time we, we meet at Set Free Care, I am just inspired because of the people that come and the people that contribute. If the cause is not bigger than you, you will not be able to take the attacks that are coming your way. In fact, if it's just about you, often when the attacks come, you'll just resign yourself to the fact that, well, it didn't work. It's going to cost you. And if the price is measurable to the resources that you possess, you will begin to debate its worth. Let me say that again. I got this in the wee hours of last night. And it is just... You've got to weigh it up. It's going to cost you, and if the price is measurable to the resources that you possess, you will begin to debate its worth. See, the cause of the gospel is immeasurable. The resources that we have will be expired. And we will have to draw on the resources of heaven. And when we come to that place, it, it actually it does something in us as we rely on the resources of heaven through faith in a living, caring, loving God that will actually inspire us and motivate us. Just think about some of the greats who paid incredible prices for the cause that motivated them. Nelson Mandela, for one. He stood against apartheid. He wanted to see, he wanted to see deliverance come to his people. Martin Luther King, very similar motivation. Here's one. Your mother. Your mother paid an incredible price to see you become what you are today. The apostles. And of course, Jesus. I want to ask you today, who are you when it comes to having a cause? What is your identity tied to? Are people following you? Or are they following a cause that's bigger than you? You know, I was thinking about this. I'm, as I said, I am committed to Ben and Jess. And I'm committed to them because they exude a cause that is bigger than them. 
because they want to see that that reformation of the of the New Testament church come back into the body of Christ to where we stand and and we stand up in the anointing that God has given to us does your need to fit in cause you to fall or fail towards your mission if you don't know who you are you will run from person to person trying to be them I say that from experience. For many years of my life, I I was like a chameleon. I became like the crowd that I hung out with. You know what? Jesus wants you to stand out. Not just for the sake of standing out. He wants you to stand out because you stand for something and you're not going to fall for anything. So find out what drives you. Find that cause, and as you minister from that cause, people will actually be drawn to you. And it's not about people being drawn to us. It's about people being drawn and committing and engaging into the cause. I don't know whether you, whether you realize it or not, but the body of Christ is meant to be a counterculture community. Jesus, in his day, was counterculture to the religious system. He stood against what the religious system had become. Whenever God wants to do a new thing, it usually begins with a movement which results in radical, countercultural communities of faith. If you look at history, throughout history, God has raised up individuals, groups, people that have been counterculture to what was happening in their community in their time to bring about change and transformation. He raised up leaders that birthed new movements which literally changed the landscape of humanity. Abraham, the father of faith. Mordecai and Esther. I think about that story and I am just amazed at, at the risk of what they went through to actually deliver the people of Israel. It was catch and go. The New Testament believers, if you read the book of Acts, over and over and over again, you see how the New Testament believers just turned things upside down. Do you know what? New Testament believers, that's what we are. That's who we are. When the disciples gathered in the upper room after Jesus' death, in fear of their, their own lives, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, appeared to them. 
at the end of 40 days, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God came upon them. This motley crew began a brand new radical movement which changed the course of history. New Testament believers. Acts 4.32-35 gives an incredible description of that. It talks about how they held nothing in common. They were motivated towards the cause of advancing the kingdom. They met in each other's houses. And they added to the faith daily. This movement caused them to release an undignified and an undomesticated faith which literally made them the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. Isn't that what we're called to? To be the hands and feet of Jesus? The expression of Jesus? Jesus is coming back. Brad says that every time he preaches. Jesus is coming back. He is. A challenging thought that I heard a number of years ago. What if, and this isn't, this isn't extra biblical knowledge or, or anything. This is just a, an out there f- question that I want to ask you. What if the second coming of Jesus is actually the rising up of the body of Christ, you and me? Jesus coming again, being embodied in the, in the presence of you and me, of where we actually truly become the expression of Jesus to this world. I believe that God wants to do an old thing in the body of Christ. You know, we hear the, the, the prophets, and this is not a, a, a slight on the prophets. I love the prophetic. But quite often the prophetic word will come through, God wants to do a new thing. And yes, it's a new thing for us perhaps, but in actual fact it's an old thing that He wants to re-endorse in the body of Christ. It's still about His original plan. The modern church, I believe, is more concerned with building great buildings, great ministries, than tenacious, mature disciples. And I know that this is, this is one of Ben's, um, the, the things that drives him. He wants to see you and me. Disciples of Jesus Christ come into that place of maturity so that we actually transform our communities because of who we are. Mature. The early church was not a group of people bound by walls and traditions. But they were driven by mission and they depended on the Holy Spirit as He led. 
I believe today God is looking for committed, engaged people to empower. So what does a countercultural community or a kingdom-led, Holy Spirit-filled community look like? Firstly, and we get the example from Scripture, it's committed to one another. There has to be that sense of commitment that we are for one another as we pursue this journey. Acts 4.32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind, No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. To be a countercultural community, there has to be a commitment to stand against the individualization of our culture. The I can do it on my own mentality has to go. And instead, we be a family which is unified and committed to one another. That only comes through a common faith, a love and mission in Jesus Christ. I truly believe this. And I I want to encourage each one of us to just up the ante with our sense of commitment, our sense of engagement in this body of believers. And beyond it has to actually extend beyond the good days and talking about the weather or what you did this week to actually being concerned about the physical well-being of people and spiritual well-being of others that we walk together with In the early church, and this is this is a great concept, um, a, a great thing to adopt in our in the way that we carry ourselves. The early church did not see themselves as owners, but as stewards of everything that they had, and that was for the express purpose of meeting the needs of others and advancing the mission of Jesus Christ. Everything they had was for the betterment of those in the church community. And it was directed toward the mission of the church. They realized they couldn't possess what they didn't own. See, we've become a a society, a culture that wants to grab things and call it our own. One of the measures of success that we use in in our society is how much stuff do do you have? But in the kingdom, greatness is measured by how much you give away. What did Jesus say? If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you be the servant of all. 
It's upside down and back to front to how the world lives. The early church didn't have to be reminded of this because this was the very heart of who they were and why they gathered every week. Secondly, a countercultural community not only cultivates commitment, that commitment causes courage to rise within us. After being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter and the disciples went out into the streets of Jerusalem and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. 3,000 came to faith that day. Because of their commitment, they stayed in the upper room for 40 days to see the coming of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit fell upon them equipping them with courage to get up, get out and minister to those that the Holy Spirit led to them. Peter and John healed a man outside the temple. Funny place. Surely you'd get healed in the temple, wouldn't you? But Peter and John healed a man outside the temple and came into incredible oppression because of it. The Sanhedrin seized them and jailed them. When they were finally freed, they were warned and sternly rebuked not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. But after they prayed, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. They were arrested again. And the Sadducees tried to put them to death. Praise God for one rabbi who stepped up and spoke on their behalf. Who basically said, if this be God... Nothing can kill it. But if it isn't God, it'll, it'll just phase out, fizzle. Listen to Acts 5.42. Yet day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This is crazy courage to the point of where it seemed the more danger that they were in, the more courage that they had to step out and be the expression of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. God is looking for courageous people to stand up. You know, it it can be difficult because, you know, we've we've become so accustomed to being being loved and, and being accepted that when rejection comes, when ridicule comes, when criticism comes, we step back. I want to declare to you today that 
the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you for a purpose. To step up. Thirdly, a countercultural community or a kingdom-minded community should be rooted in a deep spirit of compassion. At the very heart of the kingdom is a spirit of compassion. The early church found that if if the, the kingdom of God was going to spread, it was going to do so house to house. Family to family. Person to person. And it would be spread through a sense of compassion. You know, so many times we we hear of or we read in Scripture of how Jesus looked at them with compassion. They were a shepherd. They were, were sheep without a shepherd. Lost. He had compassion on them. Compassion is an infusion of empathy and empowerment. That together... makes us whole. Jesus' entire movement and ministry was centered on that compassion. Everything Jesus did, He did with compassion. With the motivation to make that person whole, to see that person come into healing and wholeness and freedom. In Mark 2.17, Jesus was asked why He why he ate with tax collectors and hung out with sinners. I love his response. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Right there, that gives each one of us incredible hope. Wherever Jesus went, he encountered displaced, disenfranchised, disturbed people. And when he left, they were whole. I love the, the, the account of the demoniac. I used to get offended at that story because the demoniac who used to who was bound by chains used to cut himself and cry out and and the chains could not hold him such was the power of his oppression and when jesus landed in that place and heard him crying out in the gadarenes he went up and he delivered him of this spirit of turmoil of legion. There were many of them. When Jesus left, he wanted to get in the boat and go with Jesus and Jesus said, no, you stay here. 
used to get me upset all the time. Why, Jesus, why wouldn't you let him go? Disciple him. But the Gadarenes is a city of ten, uh, 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 an area of ten cities, and this man became the first evangelist to those ten cities. Absolutely amazing. There's no such thing as a non-compassionate Christian. And I say that because compassion is not about what you possess, but what possesses you. And this brings me back to the beginning of my message. Who are you? What is your identity tied to? Are people following you? Or are they following a cause that you are passionate about? See, if they're following you, that finishes when you die. But if they're following a cause that you're passionate about, it continues on. See, Jesus wasn't a fool. He knew exactly what He was doing when He took untrained men, uneducated men, and set them on fire for a cause. Because He knew that the cause would not die out. And, and you look at church history, every time the church comes into opulence, it decreases. Every time the church comes under oppression and under persecution, it flourishes. Why? Because people stand up for a cause. When we're comfortable, we often let go of the cause. Comfort is, in many ways, a real enemy to the call of Christ upon us. Because it causes us to get weighed down with the cares and the concerns of this world. Would you ask yourself today some questions that, and perhaps they don't get answered this morning, but you sit down and you reevaluate in the quietness between you and God. Ask yourself, do I have the courage to be different? And it's not about courage to be different for the sake of being different. It's about courage to be different 
for the cause that you stand for. I think of Mother Teresa. What an incredible example to our faith. Edith and I, we watched a a movie the other night. What was it called? Freedom Riders. I tell you what, it, it just inspired me. Because it was a movie about a bunch of no-hopers in a Chicago school. And basically the school which used to be an incredibly recognised school for its um, achievements had become just a breeding ground for gang hatred. And a new teacher comes into that school and is just impacted by the dysfunction and determines in her heart that she's going to make a difference. And she does. It's an amazing story. She stood for something. It cost her her marriage. She ended up taking three jobs to support the the resources that was needed for those kids. She paid out of her own money because the school would not give her the resources, even though they had them on the shelf. But because the school didn't trust the students and there was this attitude that the books would come back damaged, They would rather than sit on the shelf and collect dust than be used. I think that's a picture of the body of Christ in many ways. There's a lot of people sitting on the shelf not being used. For whatever reason, Does your need to fit in cause you to fail towards your mission? If you don't know who you are, you will run from person to person trying to be them. Perhaps you've assumed so many characters already that you need to meet yourself. It can be a daunting thing sometimes when you realise that you've lived a lie. You haven't been true to yourself. But I would encourage you, dare to face the truth. Because the truth sets you free. So find out what drives you. Find that cause. And I can guarantee that as you minister from that place, people will be drawn to you, not 
so much for you, but because of the cause that you stand for. Be committed and engaged to that cause. When was the last time you showed compassion to someone with the desire to see them come into wholeness and empower them to live for God? We love to hang out with the best of the best. When was the last time that you actually hung out with the least of the least? Jesus didn't seek to build a countercultural community. But because the way that the kingdom of God operates, upside down, back to front to this world, he did. I believe that we have an opportunity to be a radical community, not for the sake of being radical. It's for the sake of standing up for what is truth. For a real cause. It's my prayer that when people come to our community here, they would leave a different person to how they came. They would leave different because they actually encountered the tangible presence of a living God manifested through people who are passionate for a cause. I wonder if we can, in, just in closing, if we can make some sense of where we're at. And you, maybe this morning you realise that you're not where you should be. Perhaps it's time to make resolve to that problem. And again, I, I, I truly believe that it begins with a sense of commitment. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So I truly believe that as we make a commitment to God to stand for what He stood for, for the advancement of His kingdom, that he'll meet, he'll meet us where we're at. And His Holy Spirit will empower us. So Father, this morning, 
Lord, I pray that you would lead us to that place of surrender. God, of where we can say of our life that it is laid down for a greater cause. God, that we would come to the end of ourselves and pick up your appointment for what you have destined us for. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just be ministering to individuals in this room. God, touching them where they're at. Lord, empowering them to be witnesses. Lord, creating a void in their, in their life that would desire the infilling of your Holy Spirit. That we could rise up and stand and say, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and it is upon me for a purpose. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I want to encourage you. Um, embrace the destiny that God has for you. If you need to, get with someone and, and say, hey, look, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me You know, to, to see the kingdom of God manifest in my life? That I would be set on fire for a cause. You can come out the front if you want, but we actually encourage body ministry here because the person sitting next to you has got the same Holy Spirit that I do. And so therefore, they've got just the same ability and power to release to you as what anyone up the front does. God bless you. The billy's going to be on.